Good afternoon, I'm Alon Litz. Today we're here on Pressure Point with Panda. I have HR Royalty with me today. Uh, we have Militia Awanar here with us today. Really excited to have her. Why I say she's royalty, um, I think, you know, if you had to put out your list of what you want to be recognized as as an HR leader, Militia has done it. Uh, be that CHRO nominee for 2023, R&B Fearless Leader for 2023 nominee and EOH, where she is the HR director, um, have been recognized as a top employer in South Africa. So really, you know, a pleasure and honor to have you here. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Alan. What a setup. <laughs> no pressure. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, well, really, really do appreciate it. So where I'd love to start is just sharing a bit about your story. You never, you know, woke up one day and achieved all these things, a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, a lot of passion, and I think care for people has got you here. So we'd just love to give the audience a bit of a feel for your background. So, proud mother of two children, who challenged me on every level of humanity. Uh, but I think in terms of people and culture, my journey started a long time ago. I actually wanted to be a graphic designer, and um, my dad said, you want me to pay for you to learn how to draw? So I went to study psychology to understand my dad. So I got into people and culture, HR, not by design. And when I joined was at the time of our country's freedom and the opportunities that existed for us in order to make change, because often we expect others to be the change makers. And it's about grabbing the bull by the horns. I started off in mining 30 years ago, so you can imagine what it was like then. And but every single thing that came up was never about backing down. It was about leaving behind something better. And when I became a mother, that was just where it moved exponentially insofar as to leave behind something better for all our children. And I think those who are in leadership positions have that opportunity to be able to challenge social, structural norms, create environments where leadership is fundamentally different from what it was 30 years ago. So. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell. So I think, you know, for me, it boils down to two things. I think it's one, tenacity. And two, I think it just, you, you said it and it just sums it up, is the role of a leader is to leave things in a way that they've improved or that, that they're better off. And I think, like, you know, if you can look back at whatever it is that you do and say that, that's a success, right? Like, I've come here and things are now better than what they were without me. Like, I mean, what a great way to measure success. True, but it, it, it also... Uh, People think success, everything goes well all the time, the gains are made every day, but it's about failing forward, number one. I think it's about understanding what your core is and the stuff that you believe in strongly enough and uh, if you're passionate about what you do. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, how do you fail forward? I mean, it's not easy. Like, how do you pick yourself up? <laughs> According to Enneagram, uh, and it's a psychological, a psychometric tool that's used, I'm called a strict perfectionist, so, and I hate labels. But I've had to learn over time to not internalize things um, because I think the way in which we raised informs the way in which we treat failure, the way in which we treat success. And for me, being the eldest of four children uh, from a working class family who had the privilege of being the first to go to university, there was a lot of pressure on being the successful one. And I think for me, my greatest learnings came from that it's okay uh, 
it's okay to fail. Be honest and truthful about it. And then I'm the type of person I'll say, I don't know. Go Google the hell out of it and come back to be better informed. But failing forward is not something I think people put a lot of um, words to it, but without the action. And I always say to my team, we all fail, right? This thing about creating success as a smooth journey where things came easy with no sleepless nights is actually disingenuous, right? We need to create that environment that says, okay, this is what happened. How do we prevent it from happening again? What is the biggest thing you learned? What are the things that concern you? And I think creating that environment where people can are not afraid to fail is important. It's not to say, you know, you don't get upset or you don't lose your mind sometimes. You do. But it's about how you actually address it. And I think as a leader as well to say sorry, because I had a particular instance this year where something completely triggered me and I was actually ashamed of my behavior. And I made sure I phoned the person and I apologized. And my behavior was consistent after that. So we should stop making leadership about leaders don't make mistakes, leaders have all the answers. That's actually not true. And I think in being that vulnerable with your team, it gives them permission as well. I think vulnerability, authenticity, um, being kind to yourself, I think those are all things which are not easy to do, but so, so important for, for leaders to take on. And I think, no, I think, there's so much to unpack and so much I want to get into, but maybe the place that I'd love to start is, you know, what responsibility do leaders have to ensure that their people thrive, that their organizations thrive? And if I take that one step further, what can they practically do to, to create that environment? So if I can talk about vulnerability uh, first, um, being vulnerable is not a feminine thing. I think those are part of the social norms we were raised to believe. And one of the, and I'll talk about where I am currently. In COVID, I think it was around April, I wrote an email to the whole business. But it was one of those emails that didn't go through marketing, that didn't go through the leadership team. And in there I said, I was worried about my family, our business, our country and the world as a whole. I said to people, they need to reach out. I booked half an hour in my diary every day. I said, if you wanna have a virtual cup of coffee, please do. And as I hit send, that strict perfectionist in me, just my stomach dropped and I thought, oh my word, what have I done? But you cannot, I can't share with you how many people were grateful for giving them permission to not be okay. And once again, it goes not just to the way we raise, but in terms of the way business normalizes leadership behavior. And I say to my team, I don't know, let's find out together. Let's try to solve it together. Um, and leaders, one is around being vulnerable. The authenticity thing for me is a non-negotiable. So I've been doing a lot of work on or, or reading on code switching, right? And like I couldn't understand how difficult it is to present yourself in a different way depending on different situations. Because to me, how is that authentic? And who I am sitting with you right now is who I am with my family, is who I am with my sisters. And people can feel disingenuity. People will feel when you're just paying lip service to things. I would rather be able to say, I don't know, or the answer is no to the request, than to have to try to have the answer or to be able to, you know, be something that I'm actually not. So 
authenticity is in everything we do. And, I, and the thing for me is it takes itself to your home as well, right? Because our children model our behavior. And that's why to me it's, if you're not consistent, I, I struggle, and maybe it's a personal bias, I struggle with trying to understand how we can say one thing and do something different. Maybe also because I have a really bad short-term memory because if I'm not consistent, I'm not going to remember what I said if I was disingenuous about something. So it has to come from self and people can feel it. I know it sounds like an incredibly warm and fuzzy thing to say, but people will feel when you're being authentic or not. I think it's, it's the foundation of trust, right? 100%. Without that trust, and what do you have? I think, you know, relationships, whether those are personal in the workplace, if they're not built on that foundation, I mean, you're setting things up for, for failure. 100%. I'd love to just maybe, I think, I mean, as I mentioned in my introduction, EOH has been celebrated for the many successes that you and your team have delivered. And obviously that extends beyond your team. It's the organization as a whole. But we'd love to just share with the audience a bit about what are you doing as an organization to get things right from an employee value prop perspective. So, I mean, every, I'm hoping everyone knows our history. So we joined at a time where um, all of the corruption charges. Yeah, and that was brave gone. of you, I mean. <laughs> well, we, it's easy to, to stand back and say it's everyone else's problem. But what happened in our business was symptomatic of what was happening broadly in our country. And I think no better opportunity than to be part of the solution, right? Uh, was it a popular decision according to the responses I got? Certainly not. Do I have any regrets? Hell no. Because I think we have a responsibility as citizens. More importantly, a responsibility as parents to our children to be able to stand up for what is right. And Stephen often says, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything, right? So within six weeks of joining, we went into COVID lockdown. My first introduction to the business was through pay cuts. Um, and that's when, in April is when I sent that email, which I wasn't fired for. <laughs> but people actually then realized that there was someone willing to listen. Yes. Uh, and someone who also didn't know how all of this was going to play out. And we were clear with our people as well. And um, in August of that year is when we put together our first EVP, Employee Value Proposition. You have an, a business that had been going through all of this in the news every single week about one thing or the other. Overlay this with COVID. And part of COVID was we assumed home was a safe place for people, which it's not for everybody. It was... I, I can't even explain. It was trying to undo a very um, knotted ball of wool. But in, in putting the EVP together, it was around how do we instill pride? How do we instill a common sense of purpose? And Stephen's very strong around courageous leadership. How do we consistently, transparently speak with our people, share information with our people? And it sounds very easy, but it certainly wasn't. But the one thing this leadership team was is fair and consistent in the approach, transparent in communications. And it's been three years. A long, it's a long time. And it culminated in January where EOH got top employer certification. And my team were very excited. They did like a whole gender reveal kind of thing. And I said to them, guys, but we must remember one thing. This is the start of the race. We haven't won the race. So I'm not sitting here preaching that we know all the answers and we got it perfect. But you eat an elephant one bite at a time.
It's amazing. And I think, I mean, what I love about the EOH story is that it just, it's, you know, it shows you the potential that exists in the country, right? If you, you have the right leadership, if you care about your people, if there is accountability, there's consequence, all the things that unfortunately sometimes at a country level are missing, but it shows you that the potential for turnaround is there. And I think it's just a story of hope, a story of resilience. Um, and I think something we are speaking about is the importance of resilience, right, and vulnerability. And those are two things that you don't think about hand in hand. But, you know, how do you instill that, that way of thinking amongst leadership team across the organization? So I think one of the things that COVID did was bust quite a few myths, right? The fact that people couldn't be productive remotely is one of them. But one of the biggest ones was around mental health and wellness issues. And um, I remember we did an intervention just with the leadership team. And I was very deliberate around the approach because it had to be relatable. And, um, and it, the focus was on wellness. So they had to do a whole series of questions. And when they got into the session, just to be able to see anonymized, obviously, what some of the key pressure points were. I think, one, your behavior gives other people permission to share equally. And as much as we talk about creating safe spaces for people, we have a responsibility as peers to create the safe spaces for one another. And it's, it's not easy. And I think that's the thing is sometimes we adopt a cookie cutter approach to we will do this for everybody. But not everybody's the same. And one of my biggest learnings over the past three years is to have to meet people where they are, not where I am being able to put my privilege aside and say, right, how can I help? Or what is the thing that's keeping you up at night? And how can we as a team assist you? So I don't think there's a silver bullet around any of this, Alon. I think in meeting people where they are, you get a better understanding of how it is you need to adopt your approach to be able to get a solution with them. So, I mean, what it sounds like is just creating that psychological safety, creating those spaces which we've spoken about. But, I mean, EOH is 6,000 people. You, you, I think you're a team of 35. Yes. <laughs> no, like, obviously, you're, you're doing a phenomenal job as a team, but clearly you need your managers, your leaders, everyone in the organization to be singing from the same hymn sheet and, and getting something right. So how do you institutionalize that, that mindset and that approach and that culture? It's very difficult in an environment as diverse as ours because we have people who, while uh, our solvers, sit primarily on customer sites. One of my biggest pain points, which still remains, is around engagement to be able to get everyone. So. Are all 6,000 people aligned? No. But we recently completed, our, so we do an annual employee survey. For the first time, we got 78% response rate, which we've never been able to break the 50% before. I mean, that's amazing for an organization yeah. that size. And of that number of people that replied, 85% were proud to work for us. That's amazing given the history and that 100%. short period of time. And it's not... And, and the one thing is, and I'm grateful for the respect you, you've given my team, but we're only as good as our partners, our business partners and our business executives and our leaders. And I think we've tried, I don't think we all talk of the same hymn sheet, but the two things that I know for sure is we're united in our purpose, which is to solve, mm 
and we have the same values. And I think when those two things are as concretized as it is, it allows you in a business as diverse as ours to be able to still um, come across as synchronized. I can't think of another way of putting it. So, and, and when I say this business is diverse, we have everything from language labs, where we have graduates teaching English uh, to the East, to uh, developers who are doing the most insane things from a tech perspective. And my biggest learning has been <clears throat> the past three years is about, has been about setting the foundation on core principles from a people and culture perspective. And my team know for financial year 24, we're going to look at for these four divisions in this business, in this business how do we customize our approach accordingly? I and mean, that's amazing. And I think, again, what comes through to your point that you made earlier is consistency. How do you drive that consistency, but also realize that people are different, teams are different, approaches need to be different, and catering for that, that diversity across your teams. I think something which we, we also spoke about a bit earlier was, you know, like it's great to think that everything's smooth sailing, right? But it's not, and we spoke about failing forward. Um, we, you know, obviously it's important that managers connect at a human level, um, but, you know, Sometimes managers are caught up in their day to day and, you know, you miss warning signs. Um, you know, how do you support staff? How do you support team members that are going through difficult times? And what should you do to look out for, for warning signs if people are under pressure? So I think remote work has put us under even more pressure because you don't get to see the body language or the, the, the people not being at work from a sick perspective is not as visible as us all being in the office. But to me, there are a few things that do raise red flags, right? So when, if I see um, an increase in IR cases around insubordination or grievances or whatever, that would highlight one thing. But we've tried to create a safe enough space. So I'll give you an example. When COVID happened, we then went into these every second week Wellness Wednesdays. And I know people think, oh, Wellness Wednesdays, it's just a thing. Wellness Wednesdays is our highest attended intervention consistently over the past two years. We don't have, we've never had less than 200 people sitting in a session. So one is access to information for our people. The second one is to be able to help them in things like, I don't know, yoga, we've got high intensity, all online, to be able to accommodate those who can't afford to go to gym and those who have billable uh, requirements until five o'clock. And all of these things worked together for us to be able to say, these are the things we're concerned about. These are the resources available to you. And then the survey, what the survey highlighted to us is some people are just not interested. When I say not interested, not in a discarding way, but they have their own way of coping and uh, whether it be through their social structures at home or through their their um, gym facilities or whatever the case is. So it's easier when it, it's easy to see. It's harder when it's remote work. But one of the things, and I know this is highly contentious, so every meeting I have is always videos on. Yeah, I love that, by because the way. Yeah. To me, if, if I can't, and, and people get upset with me, and I'm like, I don't care if you've got a duke on, right? Like, just move it on your camera. And it's not necessarily to out anyone, but when I can see you, 
and, and you can actually, people think uh, virtual has actually impacted your ability to see body language. I disagree because you can actually see it in the way whether a person's calm, whether they're swinging on their chair, all of that. So those are also indicators. But I think, I don't think there's a perfect solution. I think you have to be high touch. And to me, you have to care, genuinely care. And you've got to connect. Yes. I think something else that you're touching on here, which I think is so important, is this concept of balance, right, or outlet. And, you know, maybe just to, on a lighter note, like what, is that, what does that look like for you? I mean, how do you kind of get balance? <laughs> so I think balance is a myth. <laughs> so, yeah, so do I. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I do think it's a, it's a myth, and the reason I say it is because I think we set ourselves up for failure by thinking, we're going to be the perfect mom, the perfect employee, the perfect wife, the perfect daughter, the perfect sister. So that to me is one thing you need, I have made peace with. I can't be all things to all people. What my non-negotiables are for my own sense of self-care is I do Muay Thai four times a week, which is my time to be able to rage, my time to be able to, and I can kick pretty good, <laughs> and I can hit with my elbow, which is stuff I could never do before. But making that time for what does it for you, yeah. that outlet, it, it's critical for me yeah. because if I don't do it, I struggle through my day. Um, so that's what it looks like. And I think also for my team to be able to give me the feedback. I've learned to walk away, which is not in my DNA, but I've learned to be able to walk away, regroup, and come back more centered if I feel triggered or if I'm tired because you do get tired, it's normal. So balance, take away my music and we'll have a big problem. So I love my music. I love that and I, and I read and I paint when I, when I have time. So you're still maybe that graphic designer dream. I'm telling you what, the day I phone you and tell you I'm a designer for Pixar is when you know that I've, I've arrived. <laughs> so, but it always, time doesn't always allow for it. And the biggest, my biggest thing to everyone is to step away as hard as it is. Things will wait. They will still be there tomorrow. And those are things I've struggled with personally is that, but I've got a deadline for tomorrow. This is due. And I've learned to have to say to my boss, I'm not able to deliver it next week. Can I get an extension? And I've yet to be told no. You know, because often we think it was agreed, it's a psychological contract, I'm breaking it. No, just be honest and say, I'm unable to do it. Can we renegotiate? And I've said that to my team as well. Um, and by doing that, I've also given them permission to be able to say to me, Mal, it's just too much. There's just too much on our plate. Then I look back and say, right, out of these five things, what's the two most important things? And take it from there. So there's so much there, I think. I love outlets. I think for me, I feel the same way. I think like you need to find those outlets and those mean different things to different people. Right? And don't, don't feel pressure to make uh, someone else's outlet your outlet, yes. find your own outlet. Um, but I think your point around communication, critical. Like I think, you know, let's look at two scenarios around, you know, if you've got a deadline and you just don't communicate around it and you miss that deadline, that's a problem. But you know, as simple as your example was, if you've got a deadline and you need an extension, in most cases, that's okay, right? Provided you're proactive with your communication. So, yeah, I think it's just such an important lesson for teams, for leaders, to just ensure that you do communicate. And it comes back to your point on trust. 
And I guess, how do you build, clearly there's something within the culture where you're comfortable asking for that, right? And how do you, how do you get that right, where people feel comfortable enough to, I think in some ways, show that vulnerability? So, I didn't enter this business being like that. <laughs> but I think COVID and all of that taught us a few lessons. Um, in terms of my team, I've, I try to lead by example. I myself as a leader have changed over the past three years. And the one thing my, my husband says to me, since I've joined this business, I've become much more patient. And I think patience was in my development plan from the time I was 21. But it's that thing of what is the absolute worst that's going to happen? Because I don't think we stop and ask ourselves that. We spend our time um, playing out the worst case scenario. So with my team, we have agreed non-negotiables, raise the red flag with me sooner rather than later. We're transparent in our communication. And the same way as I hold them to it, they hold me to it. And that's how you create that safe environment. One of the key things that came out for me was I gave my, in the last round of performance reviews, I gave my team five psychological safety questions to answer. Because I think we bandy that word around a lot without taking the time to understand where our people are in terms of that. And it's quite a, a general set of questions, but like what, is, what are the things they need from me as a leader for them to show up, for them to deliver? So, and it's not just standard 360, they had to really apply themselves. I found it to be so incredibly helpful because there were things in my own behavior I didn't realize that was causing stress for my team. Yeah, I think, yeah moving away from jargon to, well, let's actually implement this in a way that's relatable yes. within the business. I think it's important that, because I think it's so easy to throw away buzzwords and say the right things, but if your actions are not translating to change or actually practicing what you're mm -hmm. preaching, then, I mean, that goes back to your points around authenticity. 100%. And I think another point that you make is just the importance of time management and prioritization. And yeah, how do you just weigh up everything that you, you have to do, because it's a lot, to focus on those things that matter? Like, wh where do you, like, how, if, if I'd ask you, you know, how do you go about prioritization? It's, you know, it's like if I, you had to tell a young grad, like, you know, prioritization is critical. What are those practical steps? <laughs> um, I think for me, it's understanding what is important versus what is urgent, to go back from an academic perspective. But I think as time goes by, you tend to get to know what are the things that are most important. Prioritizing is not just about, and my team know, it's not about doing what I asked for first. It's about doing what the business asked for first because they are clients essentially. So understanding all of those dynamics allows you to prioritize better. Do I get it right? No, because nine times out of 10, I've read a WhatsApp that's on the mom's group of something that was needed. I thought I replied and I didn't and it's like three days later and I get a reminder. So it's not perfect, but it's also creating good support structure around you, right? Because sometimes and that goes to the point where I said earlier, balance is a myth, right? I'm grateful that I have a good support structure where I have someone in my team who also happens to be a mom who has my back in relation to that. So surround you, so understand important and urgent, understand who your key clients are and what needs to be driven 
And third, which is the golden thread that supports all of this, is the support structure around you. There are things I can't do without certain people in my life. Yeah, I love that. And I guess you just got to find those people, right? And maybe just in closing, like, you know, people are sitting there thinking about, like, where do I find those people? How do I go about having those conversations? Like, what, what sort of pointer would you, would you give them? If you're truly authentic, your heart will tell you. Does it mean everyone's going to meet up, meet you where you are? No. So there will be disappointments. But I often think in those disappointments, the way a person responds is a reflection of their character more than anything. Uh, it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Um, and sometimes it means you have to be a bit more vulnerable and say, I need help. I was raised in an environment that, where that was not necessarily a good sign. And now I say, I need help, guys. And I put it out on the WhatsApp group. I'll say to the team, I need to do this. Does anyone have capacity to help me? Five years ago, I wouldn't have done that. And I'm 48. And at 48, I'm still learning. So <laughs> be kind to yourself. You don't have to have all of the answers all of the time. We will mess up. As I said, we'll fail forward. And even sometimes, you may not want the mistake to be repeated. It'll happen. Uh, kindness to self. The support structure, I, I relate to people based on values, but different things do it differently for people. So it's those people that give you the safe enough space that says, I need help. How can I help you? Oh, I've got your back. Those are the things for me that make a difference. Well, love that. And it's been a pleasure and really grateful. And thanks for all the suggestions and insights really unbelievable i think you know giving the audience a sense for everything that you've learned and being vulnerable with us today so yeah thanks so much for joining us here today um really grateful to Malisha for her time and all the insights i think you know so much around resilience around being an authentic leader leaving things better than how you found them i think if i take away anything into that right i think that is my uh, measure of success. That being said, <laughs> it, it is okay to fail, provided you, you, yes. you, know, you do your best to fail forward. And even you won't get that right all the time, but do your best to learn. Um, take those learnings with you and just try to be better. So thanks very much. Uh, thanks for joining us today on Pressure Point.